You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. The series that we've been looking at was entitled Theological Delights. Uh, Thursday night we looked at the God that we worship. Friday night we looked at the angel of Jehovah. Yesterday morning we looked first at the uh, blood of Jesus and then we looked at the virgin birth. And we just finished talking about the a, a brief discussion of the will of God. Theology is not a study just to study. It's a study with a purpose. And the purpose is to be like Jesus. Everything we study from the Bible is to help us to be like Jesus. Because what better thing can we do with our life than to be like Jesus? But if you want to be like Jesus, we need to ask the question, what must we do? Well, if you take a look at Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes the idea of being like Jesus. And he says here in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, he says, Have this mind in you. There we go. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Well, why did I have that? Did I miss one? I must have skipped one. I still really want to read Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, uh, Counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him. Albeit, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, he continues on, Albeit what things were gained to me, these have I counted loss for Christ. Yea, verily, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuse, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, even that which is of the law, but that which is in faith in Christ. A righteousness is from God by faith. Now, what do I have to do to be like Jesus? Well, he's just told us, in a nutshell, we need... to to do what Jesus did. So if we're to be like Jesus, then there are certain things we need to consider. I got them backwards. There we go. If you're to be like Jesus, then we need to make sure that we love sinners the way that Jesus did. We don't oftentimes think about loving sinners. We want to make sure we love our brethren. We want to make sure we love our families. 
But you know, do you love being around sinners? I don't mean being like them. I mean being around them with the hopes that you can tell them that a Savior has died for them. Jesus loved being around sinners. Take a look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. We're told there in the book of Matthew that immediately upon finishing the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went about and he healed. We're told here in verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were distressed and scattered as sheep not having a a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. That word compassion comes from the Greek word splanknoia. I'm sure you're all going to remember this. But the thing is, the word simply and literally means a turning of the inside. Have you ever seen somebody that was in such misery that it turned your gut to be around them or to think about that situation? That's what the word means. To turn on the inside. That's what the word compassion means. Also in Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. We read there. Of Jesus loving to be around sinners. We're told here in Matthew, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. And he said, all these things unto him, teacher, all these things have I observed from my youth. This is the rich young ruler. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, one thing thou lackest, go sell all that thou hast and give it to the poor and come, follow me. And he went away sorrowing for he had many possessions. That young man had everything going for him, but he wasn't willing to do one thing. But Jesus, as we're told, looked on him and loved him. And in Luke chapter 23, and in verse 34, it says, When they came to the place that is called the place of the skull, there they crucified him with the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the other. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hmm. Jesus must have really hated those sinners, huh? No, we need to love sinners the way that Jesus did. We need to care about their soul. Are they going to treat us wrong? Occasionally they will. Are they going to discount what, uh, what we tell them? In the vast majority of the cases, yes, they will. They'll turn their back on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you'll be a success. So many times we look at our evangelistic efforts and we say, we did all this work and had no success. False. Every door you knock is a success. Every visit you make is a success. Every time you visit with a brother 
or a sister and try to help them with a spiritual need or help, that's a success. You are constantly succeeding if you are reaching out. We need to love people, love sinners the way that Jesus did. And if we love sinners the way that Jesus did, in order to be like Jesus, we need to love the church the way that Jesus did. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul telling the Ephesian elders, he said, Take heed unto thyself and to thy flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There are many things that we pay for with blood. Freedom is one. But this is a freedom we can't pay for with our own blood. This is a freedom from sin that's paid for by Jesus' blood. And in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, Paul writing to those same Ephesian brethren says in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Wives, be in subjection unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, being himself the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be unto their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. By the way, that's written as a command. That's not optional. If you don't do it, don't expect to go to heaven. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to love the church the way that Jesus did, not the building. The building can burn to the ground as long as the church is okay. We need to understand that we need to love one another the way that Jesus wants us to. Love the church the way that Jesus did. He sacrificed himself for it. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How about 1 John 3.16? We need to remember that as well. And of course... Since I said that, I can't bring it to mind, so I'm going to have to go over there and read it. If this doesn't happen to Jay frequently, don't worry. It will. First John chapter 3 and verse 16. Hereby know we love because he laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for one another. We need to love the church and be willing to lay down our lives for the church the way that Jesus did. We also need to hate sin the way that Jesus did. Take a look at Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Mark chapter 3, and verse 5. We are told there, It says, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there who had his hand withered. 
and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. They weren't worried about that guy. They didn't care about him. They just wanted to condemn Jesus. And he saith unto the man that had his hand withered, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to kill? And they held their peace. And when he had looked around about them with anger, being grieved at their hardening of their heart. Jesus hated sin. Here are people that were wanting to condemn him. And he was about to do a miracle on a man and heal him. And they didn't care a whit for it. They just were so angry at Jesus that they didn't care about their brother who was suffering. If we're to be like Jesus, then we need to serve the way that Jesus did. What do you do for your brothers? What do you do for your fellow Christians? In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, we're told that Jesus took the towel and girded himself. Actually, I think that's, I get that backwards. 20 and 28, it says, uh, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The best picture of this is found in John chapter 13 during the Last Supper. We're told here in John chapter 13 so that now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he came forth from God and goeth unto God, he rises from supper, lays aside the garments, and took a towel and girded himself. Then he poured water in the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. He cometh to Simon Peter. He saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt understand hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is bathed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. You're clean, but not all. For he knew him that should betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Jesus, the Son of God, is there with his disciples. He spent three and a half years showing these men who he was. That was the one mission that Jesus had. He had to convince these 12 men that he was the Son of God. Everything else the Holy Spirit could reveal, but he had to demonstrate and convince these 12 men that he was the Son of God. And just before they came in, they were arguing about who was the greatest. And we're told... Nobody took care to provide a washing bowl for them to wash their feet. You know, when we sit around the table, our feet are down there and we're up here and the food's over there. 
But when they were sitting at, reclining at the table, they were laying on the floor and they were kind of an, at an angle. And sooner or later, somebody's feet was going to be in somebody's face. That's why it was important after walking on those dusty, and some of it was not all dust or mud, uh, roads out in, in Jerusalem, Judea, you wash your feet. That was just common courtesy, common hygiene. But nobody did that because nobody wanted to be the slave that washed someone else's feet. So here's the master that gets up and he washes their feet and he says, you don't understand what I'm doing now. Yeah, they knew what he was doing. He was washing their feet. But they didn't understand that he was showing them how humble we ought to be in our service. Whatever needs to be done. My daughter is a nurse. And one of her pet peeves is a, a nurse or a registered nurse or something like, who won't get in the trenches and do what needs to be done. Even if it's something that technically is not their job. Occasionally the CNAs are busy. And something needs to be done that would normally be done by them. But she's there. And so she goes ahead and does it. That's what Jesus is showing us. We need to be willing to serve the way that Jesus did. If we're going to be like Jesus, then we have to depend on God the way that Jesus did. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 42, Jesus was praying to God. Father, if it be possible, he says, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus was depending on God all the way through his life. I thought he was the second member of the Godhead. He was, and he is. Well, what's he need to depend on the Father for? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all depend on one another. That's why we need to depend on them. We need to depend on God the way that Jesus did. When Jesus was ready to pick the disciples, what did he do? He spent all night in prayer. When was the last time that you spent all night in prayer? He did. It's amazing how much prayer we can get done when we got something important on our mind. It's amazing how much we can concentrate when we got something important on our mind. We need also to stand for the truth the way that Jesus did. In the sixth chapter of John, it's quite a long chapter. And we're told here in John chapter six that Jesus is telling the, uh, his followers that in order to follow him, they must drink his blood and eat his flesh. Now, obviously, he was speaking in figurative terms, but that's not the way they took it. They, they took it as literal. How can we drink his blood? How can we eat his flesh? And we're told here in John chapter 6 and verse 66, upon this, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus was simply trying to get across to them that you make, you've got to make me part of your lives. You've got to make me the most important thing in your lives. You've got to involve me in all aspects of your lives. 
And upon this, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So Jesus followed along after them. And he said, now, wait a second, guys, you need you misunderstood what I said. Or, you know, hey, I can soften this up a little bit. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus saw them make their choice and turn around and walk no more with him. And he said, well, that's disappointing. In effect, what he did, he was disappointed and he turned around and he said to the disciples, Jesus therefore said unto the twelve, Would you also go away? Simon Peter answered to the Lord, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus must have been very relieved at that because he wasn't going to change the truth. He wasn't going to compromise the truth. He was willing to stand up for the truth the way that it really was. In Matthew chapter 23, he calls the scribes and the Pharisees hypocrites. He pronounces seven woes upon them because they deserve them. They'd earned them. So if we're to be like Jesus, we need to stand up for the truth the way that Jesus did. Not rude, not criticizing, not carping, but stand up firmly, humbly, and kindly and lovingly for the truth. And if we were to be like Jesus, then we must obey the truth the way that Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 5 says something interesting. In Hebrews 5, the Hebrew writer tells us that Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. If we turn there, It says, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, who in the days of his flesh, having offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and having been heard because of his godly fear. Interesting. We're told God heard him and yet he still had to die on the cross. Evidently, God can hear a prayer and say, no, no. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having become made perfect, he became unto all them that obey him the author of eternal salvation. Named of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus learned obedience. He was perfectly obedient to his father. So if we're to be like Jesus, we need to obey the way that Jesus did. Philippians 2.8, we read it in our scripture reading at the beginning. Jesus perfectly obeyed. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to understand that all of these are within our reach. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter the apostle says, Likewise, ye younger, be subject unto the elder. Yea, all of you gird yourselves with humility to serve one another. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. You ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I got problems, but I'm not going to bother God with them because He's got bigger things to worry about than my little problems. What on this planet isn't small to God? Is there anything on this planet that isn't small to God? And yet God tells us through the Peter to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. There, there is nothing that God can't handle. There is nothing that God's not concerned about. If it's, if it's enough to keep you awake at night, it's enough to bother God about. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, beginning in verse 8, For if these things are yours and abound, they make you to not be idle or unfruitful unto the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he that lacketh these things is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten the cleansing from his old sins. Wherefore, brethren, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never stumble. For thus shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ever hear somebody say, we're just going to get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. Peter says, our entrance will be richly supplied because Jesus is able to make it so. If you're to be like Jesus, then these are the things that we must do. We must love sinners the way that Jesus did. We must love the church the way that Jesus did. We need to hate sin the way that Jesus did. We need to serve God the way that Jesus did. Depend on God the way that Jesus did. Stand for truth the way that Jesus did. And obey the way that Jesus did. It's within your power to be like Jesus. Are you going to be perfect? No. Not going to happen. Are you going to be faithful? That's up to you. You need to answer the Lord's invitation to become a Christian by faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. Being baptized unto the remission of your sins. Raised to walk in newness of life. If that's your need or your desire, or if you just want to ask the Lord's people here to pray with you and for you, now's the time. Won't you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.